food poverty is something that has existed and been prevalent in our society way before COVID. Um, and that was something I hold my hands up. I had no clue about that prior to founding Olio. But through founding Olio, I've, di I've discovered that we have 8.4 million people in the UK living in food poverty. And it's very easy to sort of bandy numbers around, put that into context. That's pretty much equivalent to the population of London. On today's podcast, we're talking to Tessa Clark, the co-founder of Olio. We're talking all about sustainability and food poverty. Later on in the show, in our new section, we've got an additional interview where we're talking to the doctor behind a lab that's offering hope for sufferers of chronic pain. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you technology news. So, we are recording on Thanksgiving. By the time this goes out, it will be Black Friday. How excited are you, Hayley? Very, very. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. <laughs> will you be doing Black Friday shopping? Um, I mean, it's pretty much been like Black Friday week, hasn't it? <laughs> or Black Friday year. Yeah, true. Yeah, so, I don't know. Yeah, probably. I do need to have a look. I haven't looked yet, so... You yeah, know, payday weekend. I know it's dangerous. That's the thing. You kind of like flush with cash, and I just sit here and go click, click, click. Oops. <laughs> um, <laughs> thing is, like, I, I saw a really interesting post actually by a company that we're going to have on the podcast in a, in a couple of weeks, Hilo Athletics, um, and they are not selling anything on Black Friday. You won't be able to buy their products on Black Friday because they're taking a stand against fast, fast consumerization, which I thought was really cool. Um, but at the same time, they point out that Black Friday is not a bad thing necessarily because it's an opportunity for a lot of people to be able to afford stuff 100%. that otherwise they might not. And let's face it, this year, household budgets are tight. And I know for a fact that we will probably do a bit of, of Christmas shopping because you can't avoid the fact that you need to buy stuff for Christmas sure. tomorrow when it's a little bit cheaper to get stuff. Definitely. Exactly. And I think that that's like even me like i'm like oh black friday what can i what gifts can i get tomorrow yeah <laughs> what can i fit in <laughs> what i thought was hilarious is i spoke to my mum yesterday and uh my mum and dad are very sweet bless them uh they were like yeah we, we were thinking my dad's apparently got my mum a weather vane like right what's, okay what's that like one of those things that spins around and tells you which way the uh the the, the wind is is blowing from can't use grass pick it or lick yeah him, i know lick him, put your finger out and they were like oh you could get a rain gauge and my wife looked at me like, what's a rain gauge? And I was like, never mind. Like, we'll just get off the phone call. A rain gauge is basically a cup you put outside to see how much it's rained. That's not exactly a great Christmas present. I mean, if you're fascinated by that sort of thing, fair enough. But... Oh, I could just, the phone calls next year. We've had three millimetres of rain, David. Like, yeah, brilliant. Good. <laughs> thanks. Great oh, catching you know up. What? Always wondered, <laughs> always wondered how they figure out how many millimetres of rain we have. And that's obviously how. Yeah, I mean, it'll probably be a better rain gauge than a cop in my parents' garden. It'll be at a meteorological station and there may be one or two cops. Um, but yeah, yeah all, all the rest, uh, all the same rather. That's um, It's a bit of a shit present, to be perfectly honest. Well, and I don't think so. that it'll, it'll cost a huge amount Black Friday or not. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, whatever you like, you like. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. It's cheap anyway. Uh, right. Um, so we are talking to Tessa Clark. She is the co-founder of Olio, someone who's been on the show before. So this is uh, great to catch up with her again. We'll dive into the interview and we'll come back with some commentary afterwards. 
So today we're talking to Tessa, uh, the co-founder of Olio, um, an organization who we had on the podcast probably some three years ago now. So time flies. (laughs) That's scary. Uh, (laughs) How are you this morning? Uh, Well, the the instinctive response is I'm good. I'm great. Thank you. But as we were chatting before, the the real answer is up and down because uh, the sort of American election is unfolding as we speak with Massive ramifications, yeah. Yeah, exactly. An insight into when we, we are recording. Um, but look, that's to one side. If anyone is not familiar with Olio, do you just want to very quickly explain what you're what you're doing? Yeah, sure thing. So Olio is an app that exists to tackle the problem of food waste, specifically food waste in the home, because you might or might not know that half of all food waste in the UK takes place in the home and UK families throw away 14 billion pounds sterling of perfectly good food each year. And we solve that problem by connecting people with their neighbours so you can give away your spare food rather than throw it away. And as of today, we've got about two and a half million people have joined Olio. They have given away eight million portions of food. And the environmental impact of that is massive. So it's equivalent to taking over 20 million car miles off the road. And we've saved over a billion litres of water. Amazing. Quick question. Yeah. I'd imagine with more people working from home, yeah. you have maybe seen greater interest or greater uptake because... It is easier to give stuff to right people in their are, are in their communities, and getting to the shops is harder. So I suppose there is a there is more value attached to, to the food that you do have. You are absolutely correct. Um, sounds sort of dreadful to say it in the midst of a global pandemic, but COVID has actually been sort of kind for Olio. Mm. Um, so we have seen more sharing take place in the past five months than we did in the previous five years combined, and that's absolutely, as you say, for a number of reasons. Some are that I think sort of in the early days of COVID, you only had to see a couple of photographs of empty supermarket shelves to suddenly realize how precious food is. And I think many of us just lived in this sort of fairly oblivious state and didn't really truly value food. So, you know, an image says a thousand words. I think those photographs were very powerful. Uh, people are based at home, they're working from home. So it makes sharing with neighbors much easier. Um, Mm -hmm. And then also through the pandemic, we as a nation have had our eyes open to just how much inequality there is in our society. And actually, I think the media has done a relatively good job of making us aware of the fact that, for example, during the height of COVID, there were one and a half million people in the UK going hungry every single day. And that has inevitably made people who do have plenty think, well, gosh, you know, what can I, what can I do to help? And we were being told, you know, we're now in the second lockdown that sort of staying home is helping. And that's absolutely correct. It is helping. But for many people, they want to do a bit more. Um, And so kind of going through their cupboards, sharing their spare, whether it be food or non-food. So we've got a very active non-food section on the Olio app where people are giving away toiletries and books and clothes and toys. People are just generally sort of giving away what they don't need to their neighbours. And we've seen this kind of surge of neighbourly sharing and concern, which is great to see. And look, to, to your initial point, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, okay, through a global pandemic, this has created an opportunity because at the same time, um, there, there have to be good things that come out of this in the way that we relate and work to each other and and you know so, some businesses that are providing solutions that can make life a little bit easier right now so yeah. if, if there aren't positive things that are going to come out of this that can drive growth and drive positivity then that's a depressing place to be exactly, <laughs> Even more exactly. Depressing. no you're, you're absolutely exactly. right and i think covid has 
Um, it hasn't really unlocked anything kind of brand new. It's just accelerated a number of trends that were already underway. Yeah. People are already increasingly thinking, do you know what? I want to connect more with my community. I want to feel like I'm part of my local neighborhood. People were wanting to live a more sustainable life. People were, you know, we we're starting to feel like we're reaching peak consumption. It's like, do you know what? Buying more stuff doesn't make me happier. Um, yeah. And I think COVID has just accelerated those trends and those trends all play very squarely into what Olio is all about, which is just connecting people to live a more fulfilling, happier, more sustainable life. That's good for people and good for the planet. They mentioned that the the media has raised several, uh, has raised awareness around several issues. You had a campaign that kicked off earlier this summer called cook for kids. Yeah. And Cook for Kids is uh, specifically around school closures, millions of children losing access to school meals, uh, help local families by cooking and preparing school lunches. And obviously then uh, one particular footballer, I suppose, exploded this into the public consciousness in a really big way. How has the campaign gone and how how has what you're doing tallied with, I suppose, that awareness around child poverty uh, and, 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 and what kind of the dynamic of schools closing and, and what that means for, for, for lots of, of young people mean? So food poverty is something that has existed and been prevalent in our society way before COVID. Um, and that was something I hold my hands up. I had no clue about that prior to founding Olio. But through founding Olio, I've, di- I've discovered that we have 8.4 million people in the UK living in food poverty And it's very easy to sort of bandy numbers around, put that into context. That's pretty much equivalent to the population of London. Uh, And half of those people are living in severe food poverty, which means they don't know where the next meal is coming from. So we were aware of the issue of food poverty, but this then really got sort of kicked up a notch, as you say, when the schools were closed. And um, I did not realize until the schools closed that 1.3 million school children relied upon their free school meals as a critical source of nutrition and energy and food. And um, through those schools closing, it then became very apparent those kids were no longer going to have access to that that critical meal. And Cook for Kids was really born out of actually my kids saying to me, what what are we going to do? You know, we haven't got school from Monday. What about the kids that rely, you know, have the free school meals? And I thought, oh, wow, okay, pretty pretty flawed by that question, that great question. And then I just knew that we had to do something. And it seemed to me very uh, obvious that we had a, a platform of millions of people in the UK who were wanting to help, who were um, had families living two or three doors down who they might not know, but whose kids were going to be going hungry as of Monday. And so we kicked off mm-hmm. the Cook for Kids campaign. We had over... 20 celebrity chefs um, sort of get involved. And so they provide us with really simple cook-along recipes. They also promoted the campaign to their um, user base. I have to do a massive shout out for Melissa Hemsley. She's been phenomenal throughout. She did a radio day with me um, the first time to really drive awareness. We just did an Instagram live with this half term. And so yeah, during- store, store cupboard kale bean soup sounds good as well. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and, and manageable. Anything that's kind of got store cupboard in in in, uh, in the recipe title feels achievable. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So the first time round, um, our community cooked over 25,000 meals. Um, and, and I guess it's not sort of just the meals and the food, but we just had countless stories of, of relationships and friendships and empathy and understanding 
that was built through that just very simple human connection. And um, we then, with half term happening, and it became clear that the government was not going to U-turn, uh, it became very clear to us that we needed to reignite that campaign. And we've had another 5,000 uh, over 5,000 meals shared over this um, half term. And of course, as you say, Marcus Rashford has done an amazing job of just sort of galvanizing public awareness and sentiment behind this campaign. Because it, it, to me, it, it just, it, it seems absolutely wrong that we have children going hungry every single day in our country. And I don't understand how we can call ourselves a developed, <laughs> you quote, country when we have such widespread poverty uh, and food yeah. poverty. And it just kind of sets those kids up at such a disadvantage in such a critical yes. time in their lives. Look, what, what Oleo does is very much based on community. And there's been a lot of chat about how um, what we're going through, what we're living through at the minute has brought communities together. However, in lockdown, where we have to keep a safe distance, how how have you managed to ensure that so that people can arrange to pick up food and pick it up safely and they know where they're getting it from? And, mm -hmm. you know, because obviously we're not supposed to mix, et cetera. So I suppose yeah. there's, there's a slight logistic thing to make sure that everyone feels safe. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. So safety is paramount. And when you open the app, you'll see a sort of a banner there immediately kind of in your face, um, encouraging you to click through to read about how to share safely uh, during COVID. And in a nutshell, we immediately transitioned the model to ensure that all uh, pickups are no contact pickups. And so what that means is you just pop the item outside a few moments before the person who is due to pick it up comes to collect it. Now that we're in um, sort of certainly in England, um, we're in sort of lockdown phase two. Obviously, I know that Wales and Scotland are just coming out of their lockdowns. But um, during lockdown, we also require people to only use Olio as part of an existing exercise, you know, the part of their daily exercise or as part right. of um, a pre-planned trip to a supermarket or, or to get some essential supplies. But the reason why it's been very, very clear to us that we have to keep operating is because for so many people, Olio has become a, a lifeline, for want of a better word, um, and access to kind of food um, if they're finding it difficult to kind of get to supermarkets or get to stores or if they really do need to be um, isolating, then actually picking something up from a neighbor's doorstep uh, is arguably a lot safer than perhaps going on public transport or, or going into a busy store. And just as, as a last point, and this, I suppose this is an interesting thing from, from, from a demographic point of view, um, in terms of the uptake you've seen on the usage of the app, has it been kind of across demographics, across regions, or, or have there been pockets of the country where you've really seen it kind of pick up momentum? Uh, it's been uniformly across the country. Um, the, the only sort of, I guess, interesting demographic thing about who Olioers are is that they are predominantly female. So, right. you know, it kind of varies from month to month, but between two thirds and three quarters of our user base are female. And we have all age ranges represented from students up to pensioners, but we do tend to over-index in the kind of 25 to 44 year old age range as well. Um, but we see people from all walks of life using Olio and that that's sort of the beauty of it. And also now we've been going for a couple of years, we see people who go through different life stages. And so there might be mm. one stage in their life where they're using Olio to give away a lot of stuff. There might be another stage in their life where they're using Olio to pick up a lot of stuff. Uh, and that's the beauty of it. It's no one sort of keeps track of it. It's just, it's all kind of, you know, it's all about karma and just paying it forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No, I was just I was just curious because obviously there's been a lot of talk about the fact that uh, the baby boomers and Gen X have suddenly found uh, the online tools and social in a big way during lockdown. And there's yeah. been a real explosion in usage there. And obviously they are the people that tend to hold the purse strings when it comes to grocery shopping, et cetera. Yeah. So whether or not you'd seen growth there, but it's great to hear that students and younger people and, and you know people in their mid, mid to late 20s are also embracing that community aspect and helping too. Yeah, absolutely. They are. Look, Tessa, it's, it's it's been great to chat. If someone is interested, if someone either wants to get involved in the campaign for for Cook for Kids or mm-hmm. or just wants to become uh, part of your community, how how might they go about those? So I would recommend they go to the App Store and Google Play and they search for Olio. Um, and then mm-hmm. one other thing that uh, your audience might be interested to know is that we've recently launched a new section in the app called Made. And again, this was very much born out of COVID. So made is a section where you can sell homemade food or handmade crafts to your neighbors. And that came about for for a number of reasons. So obviously during the lockdowns, we saw a lot of people kind of reconnecting with um, their crafting and cooking and baking passions. We've also sadly um, seen hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people kind of losing their jobs or having job insecurity. And so seeking that bit of additional income and the Olio made section kind of says it's crazy that you should be, if you want to earn some extra money, be having to ship stuff halfway across the country. Meanwhile, your neighbors aren't even able to buy what you're selling. And so it's really like a a local farmer's market sort of online market. and available for all. So please do also check out the made section and support a local maker, or if you are a local maker, upload your wares. I will have to tell my dad who bakes religiously at about five o'clock every single morning. Ah, marvellous. <laughs> that is I am, something. I wish I lived near your dad. <laughs> Rural Northumberland. Not many people do, but there you go. No. <laughs> Look, Tessa, it's been lovely to chat to you. Thanks for your time Fantastic. this morning. Um, no I'll let you get back to, to the news and fingers crossed it's good. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good one. Right, Hayley, you told me that you found this um, pretty moving. Yeah, this really pulled on my heartstrings, to be honest with you. Um, I just can't believe for such a wealthy country that this is happening every day. like that To, those, to that extent as well. Um, yeah. it, it's awful. And I think like, I'm after this, I'm honestly going to shout it from the rooftops. I can't even stress that enough. And it's not even like a, a case of like, well, we, we can share this more um like we need to everyone needs to like say what um, like and say and say to everyone like we need to do a bit more you need to give to food banks you need to i'm joining this app after this um a hundred percent like just feel like there's so much everyone can do mm. or needs it, to do needs to it's obviously super topical right now Right, Marcus Rashford, free school meals, the government not finding money for 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 free school meals over the holidays. That was all over the news. Mm. And I felt like there was this pressure on the government, rightly, to do something, and the government didn't do something, and it was like, oh, well, that's terrible. But yeah. actually, there are there are ways, and Olio is a very simple way, where people on an individual basis can can do something that doesn't even require them giving to a food bank. You are going to buy food every single week. If you are like me, you probably get to the end of the week and go, oh, shit, I haven't used X, Y, or Z. Yeah, exactly. And that can be donated and help. And when you hear stats like, you know, food poverty 
8.4 million people in food poverty. You kind of go, what what does that mean? And then you mm. kind of put it in terms of that's the equivalent of, of a city the size of London. Yeah. Then you go that, as you said, for a, for a for a uh, wealthy country, that is frankly a dereliction of of moral duty as as a society. Exactly. Like stop spending money on doing roadworks and start helping people. <laughs> I like how you picked out roadworks specifically. Um, yeah, like, but I, yeah, it's it's true. Like, it, it, how 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 are there like when when how are there people like the children? I think it's like one point three million children like relying mm. on their school meals to be fed. So like when that happened, how how was was we in a position for them to to be at risk? Like if that was happening, that should have been government's thing, right? this is a problem now we're going into lockdown they're not going into school this is like a priority like we need this food you need it's i was just oh, it broke, broke my heart to be honest and and i always kind of come back to the point that i i think about the amount we all have we all have jobs when we're like 16 years old that we probably mm. hate i worked as a, as a shelf stacker in a supermarket um and every single week the amount of food that went to waste was insane yeah. Now look, that that I'm I'm zeroing in on 36 pretty quickly. So this is like nearly 20 years ago, uh, and I have no idea what the practices of most of the supermarkets are now. I'd hope that they tackle that food wastage in a in a forward thinking way, but there is a huge amount of waste in the system, and definitely so much could be done so easily with a little bit of joined up thinking. I think that's where something like Olio kind of comes into its own, and and it's amazing to see the amount of users. As I said, Tess was on the show. Um, three years ago. Now you're talking about an app that has millions of users, uh, exactly. and that's really heartening to see that it's took off. And obviously, you know, you you've heard the story for the first time today, and you're going to join the app. And I, th- I think I think that that's really positive to hear that when people do discover what they're trying to do, it's something so simple that anyone can get involved in. Yeah, hundred percent. So even for instance, last night clean, cleared out the fridge a little bit. It wasn't obviously. I'm like I've always been a bit like, oh, that's a waste. That's a waste. Like, what? But what do you do? I think everyone is guilty of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe some people don't think about it as much. But I think it's it's such a big thing. Sometimes I like I, I buy I, you buy things and you're just like, oh, I'll just get it. I'll just get it. And then there's people who are out there who can't do that, and then we're literally wasting that stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. And the stuff we waste could feed like a family of four. You know, and it, it's absurd. Like every time, I, I think you need to understand what's happening to really appreciate it. And I think if you don't appreciate it and you don't understand and you don't know the numbers, like what's just been said in the in the interview, then I just think that you're never going to, it's not really going to cross your mind. Because hmm. I, I was absolutely like eye boggled when I heard that number. You should have seen my face. I, my, I, my jaw dropped. I was like, what the hell? Um and like in COVID as well, it's just the whole, it's just scary that so many more people were, were at risk. And like yeah. when she mentioned about how things have changed and everything in COVID as well, like it's so true, like all the materialistic things that everyone liked doing and all the p- things that people, was, uh, how they were, you didn't have any of that. So you were just grateful for family, you know, a roof yeah. over your head. And there's something. Yeah, and look, I- I don't want to labour the Go point, on. but it is something that absolutely anybody can do. Like you know, we've exactly. we've had we've had several podcasts in the, in recent weeks. You know, Cummins, um, uh, Ripple, 
um, Energy Web Foundation, and even to an extent earlier this week um, when we had Yearn Club on. Mm. They are all tackling sustainability from different angles, but they are not easy to uh, you or me to kind of go, right, yeah, you know, Cummins, hydrogen is not something that me or you can affect very easily. This is something that me and you can get involved in very, very easily. Yearn Club, if you start a family, yeah, absolutely. I don't have any kids, so it's it's not something that I can I can take advantage of, but it's Agreed. tackling a specific issue. Mm. Olio tackles something that affects every single person in this country, and every single person in this country could sign up to that app and do something that would help tackle those numbers that we were talking about. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that was when we did those podcasts before, I was always thinking, oh, these are amazing things. Like these are really futuristic, but you're so right. Like can't actually get involved with them. But like, if you really think about it, if everyone can do this and there's, there's so many people doing like amazing things as well at the moment. Like I feel bad not shouting this out because it's someone in our team. So Ben, um, his partner, uh, Aisha, she started something over lockdown called Vital Meals and she was feeding people. Um, she owns like a platter business um, and she's feeding people um elderly people anyone anyone who needs it and I just thought it was the most amazing thing um and it's just so scary when you hear their numbers go my god I think I'm actually gonna get upset <laughs> it's horrible uh, but I think we all need that to shows that shows how much it matters right and 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 that it can affect people and you know like like you said at the very beginning it's kind of you think about the wealth of the UK you think about us being a developed nation then you kind of hear that this is yeah. going on in the hood of our country you kind of think Christ will what else is going on in the world out there where there isn't money to be thrown around a system? Exactly. Like, this is really sad, and I feel like we should end it on a positive note. I just think anyone who listens to this podcast, everyone needs to download this app. Everyone needs to do their bit, and I think it's like a real yeah. eye-opening thing. Like, everyone needs to share it. It's not a small issue. It's a big issue. We just all need to do our bit. So I've yeah. said that, but I said we need to do our bit about 20 times. But it's a good it's a good call to action. <laughs> yes, exactly. Look, um. We will take a quick break. After we come back after the break, there is something positive. I am talking to Dr. Benjamin. Uh, I'm not going to tell you a huge amount more other than he has got a solution for people suffering from chronic pain. And there are millions of those as well out there. So um, there's something positive to, to stay tuned for. That'll be straight after this advert break. Now that we're officially in the run into Christmas, why not think about giving a gift with a story behind it? Alive and Kicking are using football as a force for good and helping to support mental health education across Africa. You can do the same by giving someone a football from aliveandkicking.org forward slash shop. Now the footballs come in retro 90s kit designs. So go have a look and give a unique gift that will help make a huge difference to more than just the person who receives it this Christmas. So as this news item uh now kicks off. I'm joined by Dr. Benjamin. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna horribly mispronounce your name, and uh, I apologise, Dr. Benjamin. How do you pronounce your surname? Viaris de It is French, and don't worry, it's unpronounceable for the for the, for people who are from the UK. <laughs> now you know this is this is a terrible confession. I was married in Bordeaux. I've got a goddaughter who is, to all intents and purposes, French, and my family have had a house in the Limousin for oh God, 30 odd years that I spent all of my childhood holidays at. And I would not have had a clue that that was French necessarily. Now, it's a, it's a really odd name, which is composites of Italian and French over the course of, right. 
you know, old centuries name. It's it's very, very complicated to pronounce. But everyone calls me Benjamin. So it's very easy for everyone to call me. We'll go with that. Look, anyway, we're not here to talk about the interesting entomology behind your name. We are here to talk about the fact that you are launching an online clinic for patients living with persistent pain. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about the Lever Clinic and, and how this has come about? Absolutely. Thank you very much, David, for inviting me. So we're about to launch the Leva Clinic for patients in the UK, and we're very, very happy about it. It's the first CQC-registered clinic that will provide a fully digital care for patients with persistent pain. And I think that will help patients tremendously, especially within the context of the pandemic. Right now, there's an estimation of 28 million adults which have persistent pains in the UK. And the British Pain Society estimates that chronic pain is more costly to society than cancer and heart disease combined. During the pandemic, waiting lists have been longer than before. There's 3.9 million people that have been on waiting lists for the NHS treatment for more than 18 weeks. And we hope that our fully digital clinic will be able to help them. So look, a three-month trial is is expected to start with a London-based NHS trust to support adults uh, across a multi-discipline uh, of various different experts. And I totally hear you with regards to the fact that during the pandemic, services have been overwhelmed. But what what are the other underlying principal reasons why people suffering from persistent pain need a specific service outside of those channels that are already available to them? I'm going to try not to be too, you know, use it too much medical lingo. But the idea is that persistent pain is a very complex disease. The current model is called the biopsychosocial model of pain, which means that you need to attack the pain element of the patient through all those different angles, through psychology, through physiotherapy, through medication. You need to do everything at the same time. And right now, the main way that care is delivered to those patients is in a very fragmented approach. You will have this app for physio, that platform for medication. You will have your your psychologist on the side. The idea of having everyone in a central hub for a perfect communication and a centralized care around the patient is what makes Leva Clinic different. So the clinic's been formed by Selen. And if people aren't familiar with with Selen, Selen are a healthcare innovation company. How important do you think it is actually to the success of this clinic that there is a private organisation and a tech-driven or tech-enabled organisation that are at the heart of this, as opposed to it being, I don't know, something that the NHS is spinning up itself? That's a very good question. The NHS doesn't have the, the response time to be able to organize care this fast and in this way. And the NHS is not currently organized to deliver at at mass scale uh, online care. Each trusts have their own pathway with their own platform, and they're doing things in a very fragmented way. There's currently new discussions to invent and create a third agency on top of NHSX and NHS Digital to over to, to distribute the care through digital pathways. I'm like, this is not something that will foster innovation with, a, with the speed that is required to tackle the problems of the pandemic. 
Now, we mentioned that you're looking at a trial initially uh, with one of the London trusts uh, in the new year, but you also mentioned that, what is it, 28 million estimated people who currently live with chronic pain um, and 50% of chronic sufferers in Europe have had to wait at least two years before their pain is, is adequately managed. So beyond that trial, if, if someone is unfortunate and they are dealing with chronic pain, when do you think they might be able to access this service? And how might be they, they be able to access this service? Well, I'm inviting everyone with persistent pain to come on our website, levaclinic.com, and we have a waiting list. Of course, at the beginning, we have this trial project, which is a very structured project to be able to validate that we're getting results that are going above and beyond what patients can gain through normal NHS pathways. But as soon as all of that has been validated, as soon as our pilot project is finished, we're going to be able to open the gates to receive patients from all different sorts of backgrounds. Well, look, I think it's, it's, it's fantastic. Obviously, it's a it's a huge issue, which, as you said, is only being exacerbated by um, the pandemic. So it's fantastic to see. Uh, thank you for spending just a few minutes to kind of tell us a little bit about the launch. And we'll have to get you back on the show to have a have a proper conversation about this at a bit more length, uh, perhaps when when the trial is up and running, perhaps just before. But, but um, I do encourage anyone who is suffering to go and have a look at the website. And we'll make sure we share that link in the show notes. But thank you, Benjamin. Thank you very much, David. I don't care, I'm not coming back.